see more innovation in packaging and processing at Pack Expo International than anywhere else in the world. It's the show that defines where the industry is headed, with the solutions that define where your business can go. Discover cutting-edge packaging technology, processing equipment, new materials, sustainable solutions, supply chain resources, and much, much more. You'll walk away with innovative solutions to challenges big and small. Register at PackExpoInternational.com. You're listening to Unpacked with PMMI, where we share the latest packaging and processing industry insights, research, and innovations to help you advance your business. Hi, and welcome to Unpacked with PMMI. I'm your host, Sean Riley, Senior Director for Media and Industry Communications for PMMI, and this is Bridging the Skills Gap, How to Launch Your Own Manufacturing Day. Anyone who works, lives in, reads about, or knows anyone in manufacturing has probably heard by now that finding skilled workers is getting close to a full-blown crisis. At a time when people are clamoring for, for good jobs, you know, good high-paying jobs with benefits and, and things that have legitimate career paths, there's still hundreds of thousands of manufacturing jobs like those in packaging and processing that remain unfulfilled. Today, we have not one, but two guests on the podcast, Brian Ormanic, Applications Engineer at RPAC, a Duravan company, and our very own Kate Fioriante, which I hope I said right, Senior Education Manager at PMMI. Brian and Kate, welcome, and say hello to our dozens or hundreds of listeners. <laughs> thanks, Sean. Good to be here, and thanks for having me. Yep. Thanks, Sean. Glad to be here. Awesome. Now, Brian has a unique story to tell about his entry into manufacturing, um, and it, it's actually probably pretty common for how people uh, end up in this industry. Uh, but before we get into that, um, he's also a huge proponent and participant in Manufacturing Day at RPAC. With that in mind, I thought that would be a good way to kick this all off by you know, just throwing out the what exactly is Manufacturing Day. Yeah, sure. Be happy to talk about that. Um, you know, Manufacturing Day uh, is a day in October where uh, manufacturers across the country and in Canada too, across North America, uh, they're encouraged to open their doors uh, to kids, to people, uh, to anyone that's interested in manufacturing and uh, might consider a job. Like you said, it's important to have uh, a good talent in any organization, and uh, there's certainly a skills gap and a shortage of good people. Uh, with all the productivity we have ahead of us. So Manufacturing Day is, uh, is put on by the National Association of Manufacturing and uh, it's free to sign up uh, on the website. Um, you uh, create a profile and uh, sit back and wait for people to hopefully find you and uh, register to, to visit and tour your facility. I'm not gonna lie to you, it sounds like a lot of work. Like what, if I'm a manufacturing company, while I know I want the payoff of talent, um, or to, you know, showcase the industry, how difficult is this going to be for me to pull this off? No, no, it's super easy. In fact, I pretty much do it on my own. Um, then it, uh, it has to be pretty easy then. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, here, here's the steps. Uh, you go to the website, which is mfgday, uh, short for manufacturingday.com, and you sign up your company for the event. Uh, you create a simple profile. 
uh, with a warm, welcoming message uh, is recommended. Make it uh, sound fun and inviting, uh, and tell people what to expect. You know, and who will host the event. Uh, in this case, it's been me. Um, I've been doing it for several years, and uh, plan to continue to do so. Uh, in that profile, you know, you describe what your company does, um, and uh, what you make uh, at your uh, place. Um, and I suggest you do it in a way that will inspire curiosity. Uh, and excitement, you know. In other words, entice people to visit. Don't just say we make this and we have this many people. Um, you know, it should be should be interesting because they're uh, looking at different options uh, where to visit. They only have one day, and um, you know, if you work at a good place, you want them to visit you. Um, you know, say so once posted, people can uh, find your event um, using uh, search by location or name. You know, if they know the name of a company, they can find you that way, or they could just search by um, state uh, and city and uh, then they'll be able to just click on the, uh, the icons and see a little bit about the company and choose to visit. If they choose to visit, um, it's easy for people to register. They just fill in their name and description of the group and how many and some contact info. And then as a host, uh, I get an email that uh, describes who wants to visit. And then it's up to me to make contact and uh, arrange for that visit. And usually it's for about an hour. The tours are, you know, um, for a half hour, hour is what I do. I just do a quick one. Um, others could get more in depth for like a half a day with video and PowerPoints and introducing many people. Uh, for me, what we build is the cool part. So I just like to show them around and uh, give them a quick view. So, so with that in mind, is that... And you might have already said this, and I apologize if you did. If you did, are are you targeting all age groups? Are you targeting people that are of the job age, or people that are in high school that might be thinking about this? People that are in college who might be engineering, uh, people that are older that might be looking at a different type of career. Um, you know, if I stumble upon Manufacturing Day in our path, like what's the what's the audience that you are targeting? Yeah, good question. Um, really, anybody. Um, to be quite honest, it's uh, been kind of slow. Uh, I've gotten a couple of groups, but not many. Um, so maybe in the future, when people are clamoring to get in, <laughs> hmm. be more selective. Right. Um, but yeah, if you go to mfgday.com, uh, type in RPAC. That's A-R-P-A-C. Uh, you can, anyone can see for themselves. Um, there's probably last year's. In fact, I have to go and renew it for this year. Um, but uh, I'm looking at the um, invitation or the description of uh, RPAC, and it says, I say, this invitation is primarily for students interested in manufacturing and engineering jobs. And then I say, others may be welcome. Please register or call to discuss. Okay. So I leave it up to you know who's out there and who wants to visit. Right. And you, you obviously are you know enthusiastic about the industry because you're willing to do this you know to bring people into your plan obviously it's part of your job but you're doing it you know with a smile on your face for lack of a better um description how did you get wrapped up in you know in this manufacturing industry you know packaging and processing type uh operation where something like a manufacturing a manufacturing day might have helped you whether at the high school or the college level yeah, good question, for sure. Uh, and actually, I'll credit PMMI for getting me involved in giving back to the community and students uh, and signing up for things like Manufacturing Day. 
Um, but I, I first got into it, um, you know, like you said, probably common to what other people heard. I was pretty good in math and science and not very good in other subjects because uh, they were boring. <laughs> so I, I just liked uh, math because it was like a puzzle. And once I figured it out, um, you know, it, it worked. And then science was kind of applying that to what happens around you. Um, I would say my first interest was in drafting. You know, in uh, high school, I took a drafting class. And um, I, I thought it was really cool just to visualize um, how engineers or how things are made by anybody, a designer, architect, uh, where, where drawings are, you know, a top view, a side view, um, and, uh, and, and you can see, you know, how a, an idea, a design uh, goes on paper and that gets communicated to other people and, and get built. So that was uh, my first uh, interest um, in that. It was first, you know, paper, paper and ink drafting. Uh, that was a while ago. And then uh, just got started to be introduced into CAD, which was actually kind of laughable. It was like some kind of Macintosh. The screen was like eight inches, and it was black with green lines and dots. <laughs> so very primitive, just a, just a hair more advanced than an Etch-a-Sketch. Um, then I would say I found my way into manufacturing um, you know, through engineering. I knew I wanted to build things and you know, engineers design things. Um, went to uh, through school, um, got interested there. School was really theoretical, um, which was kind of one of the knocks that I had. But they prepare you for everything you might encounter in life. You know, there's so many different jobs; they just have to prepare you to learn and uh, understand things. Right, right. So, anyways, you know, I I got into manufacturing, and I would say um, what really got my interest was uh, I got a weird job offer that I took. Mm -hmm. uh, working at the Museum of Science and Industry in Chicago. Um, I was, uh, you know, I, I heard about the offer from our pneumatics company, okay. and they were looking for a real live engineer uh, to go to work in the museum to help them figure out what this exhibit about manufacturing should be. Uh, so I applied for the job and uh, was thrilled to show up at the Museum of Science and Industry. I had helicopters and trains and fighter pilots hanging from the ceiling of my office for about two years. Uh, really, really cool place to work. So it was sponsored by uh, Rockwell Automation and ITW, and they knew for being in manufacturing that you can't just assign an exhibit developer to learn about engineering and manufacturing for a couple months, which is what they typically do when they come up with a new exhibit. Um, they have a research you know, phase, and they just assign someone to it. Uh, their partners you know, said, uh, yeah, you better get a real engineer. So uh, uh, they couldn't find anyone else, so I took the job. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it, it, was, it was spectacular. And I helped them, you know, should it be about history of manufacturing? Should it be about modern uh, and the future of manufacturing and the jobs? And that's what we focused on was the jobs and the future. Um, and once I saw these machines and robots and the electronics, you know, how you automate a machine and program and automate a task, I was, I was hooked. Um, so after working there, um, they needed to raise some more money. They weren't ready to proceed with the exhibit. So my work was done there creating what it should be about. And I jumped back into um, one of the companies that I found out about along the way, you know, and doing the research um, in automation there. And I went to go work for an automated assembly and test company, started doing spare parts and counting up, uh, you know, holes and plates to figure out how much it should cost 
and uh, working my way up to stations and machines. And pretty soon I was building, you know, million dollar machines and um, really, really enjoying what I was doing. So about a year later, the museum came back and said, hey, we've got our funding now. Um, the product has changed. We want to build, we want you to build an assembly cell that would uh, make this product, which was a toy top that uh, you can pick a color and it'll laser mark um, the, the date that you visited the museum and package it for you so you can take home. Uh, so that, uh, that was a great life experience. And by then, I was already uh, about a year or two into my automated assembly career, and I worked on that machine, and it came out pretty close to the way I expected. And that exhibit's been open for more than 10 years now. Uh, usually, a permanent exhibit is uh, three to five years, but uh, that one's successful, and uh, a lot of people receive a lot of inspiration so they keep it going and updating and it's going on i think 11 years now oh really cool and and that not to interrupt you but that that kind of you know points to the this issue that we we hear a lot um with people associate manufacturing with you know like the 1800s or the early 1900s where you're in a dirty factory and you know things aren't safe and it's dark and it's dingy and you know you're doing the same repetitive task over and over again as opposed to you know how like you've just explained how how much it touches on all these different you know first of all cool industries um plus just the 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 robotics and the automation of it and all the different working parts that it's not it's i don't know it's not your grandfather's factory or manufacturing plan, I guess, for lack of a, again, a better way of explaining it. Um, so that was probably a really good way and probably still is, which is why it's probably still there of really painting manufacturing, how it is today, as opposed to maybe the misconception that's out there about it. Is that fair to say? That's true. Yeah, for sure. And that was the mission of both working at the museum and the mission of manufacturing day is, uh, is right. to inspire people and show them what they don't see. A couple of things that we uh, focus ideas, big ideas, in developing that exhibit uh, apply here. You know, you mentioned uh, one of the D's. We had uh, the three D's. Uh, manufacturing, the old perception is that it's dirty, dull, and dangerous. You know, people, right. not everyone wants to work there. Uh, that's changed quite a lot. And I'm just looking outside my window and I see a clean shop that's well lit and uh, you know, beautiful machines that are producing millions of products a year. And we use robots, yes, but we also use simple mechanisms and everything is tied together with electronics. Uh, and with the, uh, you know, computers weren't really around too long ago when you know, I started um, you know, my job, I was the first one in the office on Windows 95. And uh, <laughs> you know, what you can do on a laptop now and what our programmers do, you know, the machine is built and the machines haven't changed a lot. Still have motors and cranks and air cylinders and gears um, and chains. That, that hasn't changed when you think over the course of, you know, maybe a hundred years. Um, but what has changed is uh, what you can do with computers, you know, programming them using vision, uh, programming robots, the electronics, the hardware that go faster and better and more reliable. That has all come out in my time in my career in the last 20 years. Uh, so yes, absolutely right. There's a lot of great jobs, and, and that's what I see, and that's what I look for. I do have a smile on my face when people come through and go, wow, we, we had no idea this was here. And then they see we've got a, a lot of younger people, kind of young kids, you know, in jeans and wearing ball caps. They're programming a machine that costs a million dollars. 
Uh, and once, you know, students see that or people understand that, you know, they think they want to do that. It's, it's a, it's a way of, cause it, I've heard, um, a, you know, whether it was one of PMMIs, it probably was one of PMMIs, whether it was the ELC or, um, you know, one of the events where they're, they've started talking about how as, you know, the engineers are coming into the field now and there's more people that are they're choosing engineer as a profession, you're kind of, with everything being automated and computerized and, and robotics, you're not necessarily competing with other packaging and processing companies. I mean, you're, pro- you're competing with, you know, Apple and Ford and, and stuff like that that are all working on these lines that are, um, you know, automated. And that also goes back to Manufacturing Day as a way that you need to be able to showcase that, you know, we're up to par with these sort of well-known brands um, and, and, and these jobs, you're working with the same sort of stuff that they are there. Yeah, I would agree. And actually, uh, another thing that we, you know, see opportunity for automation uh, is, is in finding people to do the work. You know, yes, in manufacturing and packaging and processing, we need talented people to work, design and program and, and uh, execute these automated machines. But our customers are coming to us, especially for palletizing and difficult jobs. You know, if you're lifting a heavy case and placing it up high over your head on a pallet, that's, that's not a great job. And a lot of our customers come to us and say, you know, I'm the plant manager, uh, but I spend more time in HR just trying to find people to show up again. You know, I, don't, I feel like an HR person. I, it's all about trying to get people to just show up. Um, on first shift, let alone second or third in small remote areas. So automation is filling you know, that gap and it's being, becoming faster and stronger and, and lower in cost. So um, it, you know, you were before it would be too expensive and you just have three people doing it. Now it really makes sense if you have a good solution. So we, we, we see that a lot as well. Plus, you know, the other thing I'll say is uh, an important point about automation um, and it shatters the perception of, well, we're putting robots in to replace people. No, our, Absolutely, yeah. our customers have a successful product. And that's the beauty of automation. Just like Henry Ford, when you have something that people want, you have to make a lot of them. So you either do mm-hmm. that with a lot of people and that's inefficient and takes up space, or you automate. And so it's, it's very, I take a lot of pride in seeing our customers and how they grow a product. I'm an application engineer. So when I see a product that, hey, I buy that in, in Costco, or I see that all over, that's that's a, a good product or it's a hot new product, you know, that's great. That customer has something that's successful and they need to automate so that they could, you know, provide that to the people. And, and I've also heard where the people that are on the, you know, that might be on the operating floor now that might be you know, for either they're going to be using this automation, which is going to enhance their skill level, or it's going to bump them up to take on tasks, you know, that are that better fit, you know, a human's brain and interaction versus, you know, lifting and placing, lifting and placing, you know, it's going to real more take advantage of, you know, what they're bringing to the table and their skill set than, you know, stuffing things into a bag for nine hours a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Um, and another, another point to make is, um, you know, again, with you automate when you have a high volume of product, you know, a successful product that has taken off, um, especially in, in, in today's world with contract uh, packagers and manufacturers and everyone wants organic and small brands. You know, we're not all buying from the big brands. 
uh, anymore. People want variety and, and something different and healthy. So that spurned all kinds of variety uh, and low volume. You know, there's, there's lower volume when you have more options. So um, one customer comes to mind, we automated um, maybe 80, 90%, you know, the 80, 20 rule of uh, what their established and high volume products are, but they still have short runs for new customers or, you know, things that they're trying. So in a case where we automate the majority of the factory, um, yes, they have to hire uh, new people or train new people to be able to handle um, that automation, which is a good thing. Um, but they also uh, very often take those uh, workers, the people that we're doing everything manually, and they move them into, you know, a small volume, short run, contract package, you know, type of uh, operations. And that's a good thing as well. Um, people are value valuable everywhere. So uh, yeah, I haven't really seen where, where it would be uncomfortable if, hey, you know, my company comes in and automates, uh, we've gotten rid of all those people. It's usually they're, they're fine. They find other roles because um, there's variety and uh, it's usually a growing business when they automate. So they need those people elsewhere. Right. And it's just it's making everybody happier at the end of the day, employees included. Um, I know, which we didn't really touch on, but I'm pretty sure Kate can loop back in and help us out on this, is that one of the things with manufacturing day is it, regardless of even though you're able to do it, <laughs> there has to be some, you know, monet, money that has to be spent on it. Um, so I want to loop Kate back in because I know there's ways, some ways that PMMI um, can help or has helped, you know, inform people about manufacturing day and even possibly offered some some funds that can help them do it. Yeah, um, Sean, so you're right, there are definitely costs associated with Manufacturing Day, whether it be providing lunches, drinks for people who are showing up, or if you want to have a group of school students come, you know, they have to incur costs with bus and transportation. So one thing that PMI has initiated this year is our PMI Youth Skills Fund. Um, that's really just a matching dollar for dollar investment that PMI will make with these member companies to, to help make their dollars go a little bit further. So like I said, if you know a PMI member company wanted to get students to have a, the bus for the students and it's $1,000, PMI would match 500 of that. So it's a, it's a matching donation. You can definitely find more about that at PMI.org backslash skills dash fund but it is just a, a way for those funds to go a little bit further. Perfect. How about, um, like I know from talking to Brian earlier, how about in, say you want to target, you know, s specific schools. You want kids to, that you know have engineering backgrounds to come to your manufacturing day. Is there any, you know, what does PMMI have that might help in that situation? Yeah, PMMI, we have built a network of education partners across North America. So those range from high schools that have robotics teams all the way to two and four year college and universities that offer, you know, engineering programs, mechatronic programs. And that's something that we have. Some of the schools are listed on our website. Others we just have connections with. So, so anybody who wants to reach out, they can reach out to PMMIU and we'll be more than happy to connect them with those local contacts. Love it. Um, I, I, I don't know that I have much more to add. Um, I'd like to thank Brian and, and thank Kate. You've um, 
you've really presented an ideal blueprint, um, not only to how to pull off manufacturing day, but kind of why a company should have manufacturing day and why people should be getting more involved in manufacturing. I am thinking that as Kate just mentioned, some of those, the schools with the robotics and the, um, the colleges, they are also um, a, a bunch of those partner schools and some of the robotics high schools teams are or will be at Pack Expo Las Vegas in September. So if you are planning to attend that, that's something where you can actually see some of those in action or, you know, touch base with some of the students that actually participate from those schools. Um, so again, I guess visit uh, mfgday.com if you want to get started manufacturing day. Um, any questions, um, email pmmiu at pmmi.org. Um, and otherwise, uh, Brian, I'd like to say thank you. Uh, Kate, thank you. Yeah, thanks, Sean. You're welcome. My pleasure to be here. And I just wanted to add uh, the manufacturing day. The first one was seven years ago in 2012. And I didn't get a chance to say, but for anybody that's remotely interested, give it a try because uh, it's giving back to everybody and creating uh, opportunities for kids uh, to get great careers in our industry. Uh, it's a growing event. I hope to see it continue to grow and grow, and I'm doing my part to participate. Last year, there were 275,000 people that participated and 3,000 Manufacturing Day events. So uh, do your part, and, uh, and I encourage everybody to sign up. It's a great experience. Awesome. I love it. Um, so with that, you know, thank you for listening to Unpacked with PMMI, and be sure to join us next time for more packaging and processing industry insights. Please rate, review, and subscribe. To do that, go to the iTunes podcast or Spotify app on your phone and search for Unpacked with PMMI.